Hi guys, this is John McGann from Max Tennis Academy in Ireland and I'm here with my co-host Dan Kiernan from Soto Tennis in Spain. Together we've created the podcast Control the Coronables, which includes some of the top players from around the world. Our objective is very simple. We want to be able to educate, entertain and energize the tennis community during this very difficult period that we're all going through. Hope you enjoy our next podcast. Welcome to episode 26 of Control the Controllables. As we talked about last time, a little bit of a name change uh, to go in line, voted by you guys. Uh, This episode is a beauty. Dan Evans, British number one, world number 28, has had quite a career of ups and downs, shown resilience throughout. Um, He's certainly a one that talks from the heart. Um, He comes in, as he said to me, um, we spoke to him earlier on during lockdown and he kindly came and spoke to the kids at the academy. I mentioned to him last week about maybe turning that into a webinar. I edited it, sent it to Dan. Dan said, look, like it, it's good, but I can do much better than that. Um, so how about talking over the weekend? So we talked a couple of days ago. Um, he was he was inspired, as you'll hear from Lee Childs' podcast in earlier on in the series. And he just, he doesn't hold it back. He, he educates, he wants to get his regrets out there. He wants people to learn from them. And he's also done a hell of a lot right. Um, a young lad, not the tallest player in the world, um, has developed his skills, his competitive skills to be world number 28. Uh, I know that you're going to love this one. Uh, please do share, get it out there. Um, if you do have a spare moment to review and and leave a leave a rating on the on the platform that you use, it would be greatly appreciated. But for now, sit back and enjoy Dan Evans. Dan Evans, welcome to the show. All right, can uh, yeah, all has uh, has things. Yeah, all good. Great to have you. For those for those listening that don't know Dan Evans, I'm sure most of you do. Current British number one. And and current world number twenty eight um, had a phenomenal two thousand and twenty already um, with five top twenty wins. Um, we spoke a few weeks ago, Evo, and obviously things have progressed a little bit. Uh, how's it going your end now? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, obviously things have, like you said, progressed on. Um, you know, thankfully we can all play a bit of tennis and. Uh, and get back training and hopefully work towards a you know a start date you know luckily luckily enough for for me and a few of the other guys you know Jamie's obviously started a tournament yeah. which is uh, you know a week on Monday so that that's great news and you know we can sort of get going there and and have some competitive tennis and hopefully the US Open gets gets the nod and we can get going again so battle of the Brits first I've seen Andy, I don't know if you've picked it up on social media, he's playing the Alex Ferguson role. Uh, the mind games have started on social media. He claims that you're the favourite. You know, he's done that. He's uh, very good at, you know, removing pressure from himself. But then 
under pressure being very good himself. I think we all know who the favourite is for the tournament. And, uh, you know, the guy with three grand slams, you know, it's hard not to be the favourite. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that event. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing some of the guys play each other. You know, you don't get a chance to, to play each other. And um, it should be good viewing. Yeah, no, definitely. How is it going to be playing without many people watching? Do you think it'll it'll change? Because you got you're obviously used to you're used to the bigger stage now. Do you think that changes? Certainly for Andy, actually. I I think you know I think there'll definitely be an atmosphere in there. You know, uh, if that's tension or you know, it's be some there's some interesting matchups. Uh, you know, and like they're great players. You know, like I, I'm playing Jack Draper first, and he's going to want to beat me. You know, it's, it's a good win for him, and and that's where you know the atmosphere will come from from within. Uh, and yeah, I mean, a few commands here and there that'll get the atmosphere going, and you know, I'm sure people will find it, find a, a a way or platform to use use that to get them fired up. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, there's obviously a lot. There'll be a lot of people watching, you know, on on television, and that's that's going to be, uh, you know, another another factor to add in. There's still going to be cameras on the courts, and some of these boys won't be won't be too used to playing with the cameras, and that adds its own pressure. So, you know, lucky for me and for you know a few of the other guys like Kyle, obviously Andy, Cam, you know, they've played in front of the cameras quite a bit. So, you know, it's a little different when there's, you know, you sit down, there's a camera in your face, you know, it's it's a little different, you know. Sounds like a message to young Jack Draper there. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's different. These guys, you know, some good good players out there who practice well, but it's, it's tough on the match court. So um, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing from, from them all, really, you know. It's, it's just, and you know what it's like playing other Brits. You know, it's not it's not easy, and it's not a good it's not a nice feeling, you know. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm 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 you know preparing for the event as well as I can because there's going to be tough matches. Doesn't the rankings and everything goes out the window? Yeah, great. And then and then obviously US Open, much talked about. Um, I, I have to say I I 100% agree with your comments that you made earlier in the week uh, on that. What what are your thoughts? Do you think it'll go ahead? And then what are your thoughts on, on the event? I think if the US Open doesn't go ahead, we've got to look at ourselves as a sport and players and take full responsibility that we've done a disservice to the sport. Yeah. If it doesn't go ahead with all of the things the US Open have tried to do for the players, yeah. um, you know, that they're not going to put on, put on an event and it's not be good enough for, for a Grand Slam, you know. Obviously, you've got the big one with no crowd, okay, but you know, there's still a huge television audience. You know, there's talks that you've got the USTA, you know, in maybe a bit of trouble. And then you've got 110 jobs being laid off last Monday. There's no better way for me personally to rally around a Grand Slam nation and get out there and play yeah. for them. And we talk about helping you know the the lower ranked players well the usta run an event they've got unbelievable challenger circuits future circuits you know without that 
without this tournament, there's there's not going to be many of that anymore. Yeah. And if that means the tournament happened without qualies, that, that's tough to suck up for the first, you know, for those guys who are just outside. But without that tournament, it's going to be even harder to make qualies because they're going to have to spend more money traveling more. You can base yourself in America. And I just think people need to be pointed in the right direction here and and have the the points basically in bullet points and made it in layman's terms. Yeah. Rather than, you know, everyone shooting the messenger and this, yeah. that and the other. We've all got opinions, you know, but, you know, I think for me it has to go ahead. And if, you know, wouldn't it be great if someone like Sitsa Pass turned up and just rolled rolled up and said, no, no, I'm the next one who's going to take the, the mantle and, and, and win the tournament, you know, like yeah. that'd be a real statement or Zverev or whatnot or a new guy whoever that is yeah but I, I mean me personally I'd like one of the younger guys to come out and say if they're in favour or not and that would really give I think US Open confidence to, to go forward and run the event because I think in my opinion no no players bigger than the bigger than that event well very no that's, that's really well put so are they so is, is that UST are in, are in trouble without the event is that is that what they're saying well, I mean, they just laid off a hundred odd people. Yeah. You know, that's that's talk. You know, that's the talk. I mean, you know, there wouldn't be as many tournaments. They run a, a hell of a schedule throughout the year. You know, which helps obviously all of their juniors. You know, transitioning players from college to pros from eighteen to, yeah. you know, twenty five and all that. Absolutely. And as well, a hell of a lot of other countries. You know, I, I based out in there for some time to play challengers. Yeah, you know, you go out there for seven weeks and you can play six weeks, you know, no issues. And that's what I think people are missing. The point is that you know, qualies isn't isn't the be all and end all in this this situation. Yeah. And if it, it means you know, the the USTA going ahead and putting on that event so they can then fund players through tournaments next year, I think that's Absolutely. a huge advantage for. For, for world tennis, not just US tennis. But how how are you going to compete if you don't have your masseuse waiting for you after your match? <laughs> I mean, there's still this is another thing. There's still a lot of there's still a lot of you know you're still allowed to take another person. You just can't bring them on site. Yeah. You know, there's still physios there. There's still there's still plenty of stuff like you know we was in a. Uh, an out uh, an ATP meeting the other night, and there's still, you know, they're going to try and bring Manhattan to the tournament. You know, we can't go there, but the U.S. Open is one of well, it's one of the best tournaments, you know, of the year. They're, they're not going to just have a a bog standard tournament. It's unprecedented times. They're going to make things happen, and it's going to be different. But you know. No one likes change, we all know that, but for the sake of tennis and how much we all supposedly love the game, yeah. I think, you know, some you know, a few a few things could change and we could all help a bit more, I think. Yeah. And we'll we'll get to this in a little bit, Dan, but obviously your journey you've just turned thirty years old. You've kind of you've played at all the levels, you know, even yeah. though you've, you've gone through the levels and you've gone back to the levels. Do you, do you think there's a danger here that maybe some players at the top of the game 
have just lost touch with what that what that looks and feels like. No, I mean, I think I think they all know, and and you know, it's not all about financially support supporting things and events and stuff. I think you know. Novak Djokovic, I'm saying him again for no, you know, it's not, you know, him being at that tournament is worth its weight in gold, obviously. Yes. Nothing to do with money or whatnot. It just, it makes that event better because it's Novak Djokovic is an unbelievable tennis player, great champion, multiple Grand Slam winner, you know, yeah. close to being the best of all time. Yeah. It just makes that tournament that little bit more special with him. Yeah. And that makes tennis better. It makes television figures better. It just makes, which makes the tournament better. I just think, you know, it's not great. And we could all just, listen, it, they're not bothered if I play the tournament. So, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the top guys who want, we, we all want the top guys to play the tournament. And it's unfortunate Federer can't. But, yeah. you know, and I, and I've never been in a semi-final of a Grand Slam or a final, but and I'm sure the crowd are going nuts and it's great. But you know, for this once, with I just think that that's an unbelievable picture somewhere. Those two guys with an empty stadium in the final with an umpire in the chair—that would be, you know, a picture of a lifetime. And you know, for one year and one year only, why not? But it's also what it represents, I think, Evo. It's like, as a, as, a, as a dad, and I remember, you know, as, as parents, you often say this, do as, do as, I, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> Whereas we want our leaders to, to be actually do as I do. And, and, and I think it, coming out and saying, let's give a few grand to those, those guys a little bit lower is one thing. But actually going and living it and, and the representation of humility, the representation of all of these things to say, but you know what? We, we're we're going to go and do this exactly what you say. What It's a one-off. We're going to go and show all of these tennis players that tennis is greater than anything else. It, it really is in the way that you put it. I certainly am sold on it happening. So, so I hope, I hope it happens. And Hey, what about, what about Dan Evans getting his name on that trophy? You never know, mate. No. And that's, and that's just it. You know, like I don't play, you know, I, I speak to all the guys and I, I've never never come across one guy who says, I only play this, I go the slams for the minute. Yeah, yeah. You'll get a few, don't get me wrong, but, you know, I, for me, I just wouldn't want to be, if I was one of them, a little kid in the street asking his dad, who's, you know, little Johnny says, Dad, how come Novak's not playing this event? Or how come so-and-so's not? Oh, he didn't want to play because he couldn't have three people when... You know, oh, well, Sitsa passes in the semis or whoever. It's just, you know, I, I genuinely think they'll all play anyway if it yeah. does go ahead. Yeah. And, you know, health reasons are different. And if it's health, then that's different. But, and we could all be, you know, it was, a, it was an article in a newspaper. It could be edited and he could have said about the health and they've not put that in. Whoever's doing interviews you know they say a lot in interviews and only certain things are dropped in there so absolutely but i hope we all you know i hope that everyone is there and if it goes ahead and and if not you know then hopefully the french can happen and we can get a season sort of get back 
back going. But you know, all these guys have they've done their bit yeah. in in these these times, and you know, they're also all you know worthy of their own opinions and what whatever action they need to take. So that's that's pretty much that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Now, just to pull you back a bit, actually, Evo, I suppose um, I I coached at Edgbaston Priory. Uh, you know, you in, in Warwickshire for a, a long, a long time, which is, I know, where you started your tennis. Um, you know, British number one, world number 28. How, how does the tennis thing start for you where, if you go back to the beginning? Um, you know, I, I, played, I played at West Warwick, which is a pretty, uh, which I'd say is pretty, pretty busy club in sort of the Solihull area. You know, I had a coach there and that, for whatever reason, didn't, didn't work well. You know, I was put under Graham Adams and he said he would coach me. You know, I won't name names, but a guy before him said he wouldn't coach me because he was friends with the old coach. Right, okay. who was, so that was, that was quite, you know, for a nine, ten-year-old... I think I had one session with that guy and he then said, no, no, you know, it's funny what you forget, what you don't forget. Yeah, it is. Uh, and so then, yeah, it was the best thing which ever happened to sort of meet Graham and then carry on, you know, sort of starting to develop under Graham, you know, I sort of, I didn't know what playing tennis was. He always, you know, Graham was quite serious and, you know, if you know me, I'm not that serious and it was difficult to sort of, you know, it would wind me up a bit how serious he was. Yeah. But, you know, looking back, he's only trying to get me ready for, you know, sort of tennis and the tennis life. And that was that really, yeah. Uh, sort of moved on to, you know, got got into the county stuff and and did all the county training, which obviously isn't there no longer with like, you like to Bill Brown. I don't know if you remember him. Bill, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and even now, like I look back, you know, the drills we were doing with Bill, I still do now, you know, like feed it in half court, one up, one back, two up, two back. So did good stuff with him. And and then I, I had just good people really to make me play tennis. It was no, yeah. you know, it was just playing tennis, using skills. And it was, I was never bored, which was a, an amazing thing really for like my age. Yeah. And then at the end of the session, you'd play for your fitness. It would be like there was a thing where builds you had. I have to do fifteen minutes with fitness of you for the county, <laughs> and it would basically be run round the court until you caught the other guy. Yeah. You know, it was it was just all it was all more relaxed, and yeah. you know, in that sense, I was lucky that you know I learned I learned pretty good good stuff from you know I don't know how good of a coach Bill was but in Brit in Warwickshire he's one of the best and looking back it was good that I obviously had his sessions and you know that was seven till nine on a Tuesday and Thursday night you know the county and there was you know there was girls in that session as well by the way it wasn't just absolutely so we would just play and then and then that was that and I got obviously a bit better and I got I went for an open day at Loughborough Academy. Yeah. And they were like, no, sorry, that's not going to work for you. So there was another. Yeah. And then I actually got invited to two tournaments with, like, as a national thing. One was in Solihull, one was in Edinburgh. And I made a final of both, I think. And then 
Mark Taylor, who then coached me after for a long time, was in Australia, who was a coach at Loughborough. And he said, I think we should give this one a go. And then the boss of the coach was like, no, no, it's on you then. So then, and that was that, 13 to 16 with Mark, which another good coach, you know, hard work, no, no science, just, just tennis, you know, good hard work and fun. Yeah. With doing school as well, which I literally hated every minute of, but, you know, that was part of the be at the academy, you had to do it. Yeah. And then 16 to, you know, I got pretty good at 15. I wasn't as good as the others through the through it. I was weaker as well. Yeah. But I, I really enjoyed the like the academy stuff. Like they were, you know, there was better players, but I was I thought I was pretty good. I thought I was pretty good. I thought I was close. And then probably when the last year I got pretty good, I won a tournament in Lille. And then from that, you sort of had to leave that academy, which was I was sort of settled there and I didn't really know what I was going to do. I didn't want to go to London because I hated traveling. Yeah. So it was difficult then. And then probably from then, I didn't know what to do. So I went with Hilts in Nottingham. And, you know, I had an individual coach, but I was a disaster, you know. No, I didn't really want... I didn't know what I wanted. I was 17, you know, like... I, I wanted to play tennis, obviously I want to be a pro, but I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. It was difficult. And then I actually, st- Hilt stopped with me. He said, this isn't working. You know, you're, you're basically a disaster. On that, because you've mentioned now a couple of times and I completely relate to your, this mentality of kind of proving people wrong or, you know, like not forgetting things. You know, like I remember someone, yeah. I'm nowhere near your level, but I remember someone saying something to me when I was 11 that I'd never, yeah, get, yeah. I'd never get past county level. I can't move. And I remember walking into Wimbledon the first time that I played Wimbledon 15 years later and I wanted to call him and tell him to shove yeah. him backside. So, so you've said that about different people. Why didn't you hold that grudge with Hiltz if Hiltz was the one that stopped, stopped it? No, because, like, I obviously knew that I was a disaster as well. Okay. Um, I, I, I genuinely, I just couldn't stop what I was doing. Like, you know, I'd lose a match, but I knew I was good. Yeah, yeah. But then I would lose a match, and the next day, the practice would just be, it would be, you know, I remember once I lost him, I think, Tipton or, and then Bournemouth. And the next day, he was on the court, and he was like, you're wasting your practice. and and I just, I just couldn't let the day before go. Like, mm. it was just a waste. And he was like, you're just wasting days, wasting days. Uh, yeah. But I had no skills to how to get, how to be better than that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't know how to. Like, yeah. you know, I didn't know, not that a 16-year-old should, or 17 maybe at this time. I didn't know who paid Hilts. I didn't know, you know, I knew my mum and dad would pay, my dad was paying a bit, not towards Hilts, but my tennis. I didn't know what was going on, you know, like yeah. now I know how it works. Yeah. And this is it. Like, I think, you know, tennis at the end of the day, your tennis is a business. And yeah. yeah. So anyway, 18, I think 
I was with like Magnus Tiedemann, who coached uh, Thomas Hansen. And then I won a big challenger in Jersey, well, a challenger in Jersey, and I think I was 18 or 19. Oh, wow. And then after that, I saw, you know, I, I, I didn't like, I didn't think I'd made it. I just, it was like another, oh, you won that tournament. And then from probably 18 to, well, 19 to 24, I just didn't, I didn't know what was what really like, yeah. you know, like I found it, you know, tennis was a bit like, well, you know, you're good at that. Yeah. But how you know I I didn't really know how to get to the top hundred. Yeah. I just you know top hundred was a number it was spoke about. I didn't know how to get there. No one told me. No one told me how to get there. No one told me, and no one knew by the way. No one knew. Yeah, yeah. Like no one knew a way to get through there. Yeah. You know, apart from Magnus, but then I stopped with Magnus after because I was finding it hard. I was at the NPC. I was nineteen. I didn't want to be there. Yeah, and it was just—it was quite like it was quite on top of, of me. And then, you know, I remember nineteen. I'd I'd run out of the NCC on a Thursday night yeah. when when uh, all the coaches have gone home. I know they'd leave about six o'clock. Yeah. I could get to Euston for six thirty, and I'd be back in Birmingham for eight fifteen, and I'd be able to go and see my friends and go out. Yeah, yeah. That's just a young kid not knowing what, not knowing what was what, you know. And then, and then I just, you know, I deal with Friday when I when Friday come. But <laughs> it's, you know, and that and that's the thing. Like if, and I never blame, I never blame anyone for how I was. But you know, looking, you know, it's all it was all me, you know. Like, but looking at the juniors now and the younger guys, they're you know they're not lucky, but they've got really good people around them and you know it's more not serious but because we were serious but there's more structure and they know like you know you've got to do this you've got to do that and that sort also hinders them for sure yeah because I still knew if I got on a tennis court I'd, I'd be able to work out problems on my own you know like I wasn't I was still a decent match player I still knew knew how to win and stuff but you know, the training wasn't getting done. And then, and that obviously brings it to own issues. Yeah. And yeah, that was, that was it really. Like, yeah, 19 to 24, I'd probably say wasted, you know, good weeks, played Wimbledon and all that, but was never a professional tennis player. Are you better now for that? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think obviously when I had to, you know, when I had my time off, you know, I sort of just, well, well, just before I, I had my time off, like I was becoming a very good professional. Yeah. You know, probably for a year and a year and a half before I was a good professional, and you know things had clicked. I'd worked out how to, you know, how to be myself, and I knew myself. You know, I knew, yeah. geez, that is what you want because when you're 19, even though you're two thirty in the world, I remember playing U.S. Open qualies. And I didn't. I flew from England six days before for the US. I didn't play tournaments before. Yeah, yeah. I didn't prepare. Yeah. Like, what is that like? And, and as a nineteen-year-old, that 
that is my responsibility, granted, but I don't know no better. Yeah, yeah. Like, I look back at some of the schedules and I'm like, what, what has happened here? Like, but were you, were you told and you were just in that difficult stage where you didn't want to listen? I don't know. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know the answers to, yeah. you know, you've got, and I'm sure there's people who might listen to this going, no, no, I told you that. And they probably did. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, as a 19, 20, 22, you know, I probably I made third round yeah. in, when I was 23. Yeah. And I, I didn't have a coach with me for that trip. You know, I was a 23-year-old. And if you're a 23-year-old, and, geez, we're not, we're not, we haven't got bunches of them. Yeah, yeah. I ended up with, I ended the trip with a coach and I ended the trip with a fitness trainer, but I started out the trip with nothing. <laughs> you know, it's like, and that's, yeah. that's what I find, you know, it's, it's difficult to, it is obviously, I'm a 23 year old, but there's responsibility on other people there, you know, yeah. and that's where, and then the older I got, I, I think, you know, it's amazing. Again, I ended. I went on a trip, and I, I went on a trip with no coach. And I ended up with hilts. You know, <laughs> the next year I started with hilts. It's just, and and I can't say like that's for me. That's just not good enough from certain, yeah, certain areas of of you know their expertise. That isn't good enough for me. Yeah, and 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 that's just you know how many times do you reckon that has happened for. And that's not, I'm not blaming anyone here, you know, yeah. but I just think that's where we could be better. And Absolutely. And, and it is, you know, I remember I won, I won the Challenger when I had no coach and Hiltz, because I knew Hiltz, he was there with bros, he looked after me. They had to leave on the semis. I won. I, and then I won the final on my own. And then that was the start of getting back, getting into the top 100 for the first time. Like it was an accident, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not through. And this is where, you know, like if I hadn't done that, I'd never be where I am now. And it's, you know, it's an app like it. And that's where I'd never want, you know, the people who are good now to, 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 for it to happen by accident, you know, like it needs to happen. You know, they've got good people now and like me making it through, Cam making it through, Kedda's making it through. There's people you can relate to. There's three different massive journeys there. Yeah. And, and hopefully, you know, you, people will see that. And, and they've got good people in place now where all these people now have got way more experience than they did when, yeah. you know, all the others were starting out. And I just think, you know, it is a hard, it's a hard journey, but it can be made a lot easier if you've got experienced people. And I don't even think I had the ATP Tour app when I was 23. You know, I, I genuinely don't think I did. Yeah, or yeah. 19, because yeah. it was tennis was just a thing where, you know, now it's like, right, we're, we're you know, I'm going to work this week. You know, we're, we're going to work where, you know, there was obviously, and, and I think that's where it becomes difficult when you've got foreign coaches involved. They're coming in from Belgium, Sweden, yeah. etc. They're not there all the time. They're not. No. You know, they don't really almost. know. But it, it's all, it almost, for a while, it was almost like, have a success success story somewhere else and then come and retire in the UK and get your big payment check and, and do a few weeks a year. That's, that, there was definitely a period of that. 
you know, and, and, and maybe they weren't, they weren't fully invested in it. For you, what makes it coach? For, for me, I, I just find it difficult for a Brit to have, you know, no British, like, involvement. You know, you need to, like I just said, they don't know what can happen in England on a weekend. You know, like, what that player could be doing where, you know, with, you know, Hilts or these guys like, you know, you've got Ryan Jones in charge of Jack Draper, for yeah. instance, you know. He's an English, you know, an English guy, he knows what's going, what can happen. He, you know, so he's going to just make sure things are working, make sure. And I just think when you're that age, you know, you do need a bit of, not love, but like, you need, you know, you need checking on, you know, and, and, th and that stuff doesn't come in the coaching manual, you know, you, you, you know, you, if your player's not re replying to you till one o'clock in the afternoon, there's a fair chance he's been out the night before. Yeah. But like, and that, you know, and, and when you get wind of that, it's got, you know, it's got tough, it's got to be tough, tough love, you know, like, listen, if that starts happening, then, you know, I, I, need, I need to go, like, or you won't have me as a coach. And I think that sort of, you know, the the people they've got now are, are so, are really into it. You know, you've got Jack Draper, you've got Anton, he's got a good coach. You've got, you know, Norrie, he's got a good coach. Kyle's got Beach, you know, I've got Hilts. I think, you know, there's good, solid, sustained partnerships where, you know, before I think there's, you know, there's, it's bitter, you know, very bitter. And... And that's, you know, I listened to your podcast with with Lee Childs the other day, and yeah. you know, his. I was interested in, you know, the first twenty minutes. Quite frankly, I wasn't interested in about Queens Club, but yeah, yeah. you know, twenty minutes onwards, it, it, you know, for any young junior, like to listen to that, yeah, you know, that's better than any yeah. any psychology, any sports science, you know, like, and that's. And that's it, really. Like, I wish if I'd listened to his thing, if his podcast got done and I was 19 or 20, yeah, yeah, you know, listening to that sort of stuff. And that's where, you know, it was never like for it, there was nothing to relate to for like me or because yeah. no one had got into the top 100, you know. And that's it, it you know, it wasn't difficult, but I, I, I thought I could be top 100 in the world for sure. But I just didn't know how to be, you know, yeah, yeah. But you've done it, you've pretty much done it three times, haven't you? Near enough. I almost, yeah. I would almost look at your pro career as there's like, there's three phases. So you've got your mm. 19. Well, actually, when I looked it up, mate, mate, I mean, like, you winning challenges at 18, 19, you know, you were on a track, you know, I and mean, that was, you know, your level was good early. And then, and then you seem to want to have five, six years where you were in and around 200, 300, 350. Then you had the breakthrough at US Open, third round. Yeah. And that was almost phase one. And then, and then you dropped back down with the injury to what, 800 or so? Nine, yeah. I remember seeing you at Nottingham and you were off to Egypt to, yeah. play, to play a Futures. So, so how did you... How did you rebuild them there? That's it into phase two, because then I guess phase two almost takes us up to the ban, the drugs ban. You know, yeah. you've then you've then gone 
pretty big time. You've what got into top forty one, top forty one, forty two. How how did you come back from the injury to make your way through so so quickly? I guess. You know, you've got to believe that you've got a good level, and I, I sort of knew I had that level, and 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 that's it really. But and this is, you know, you need. You think you've got the level, but you need reassuring you've got the level, you know. And that's that's what was quite hard, is I wasn't sure if, you know, I knew I could beat these people, but it's not good enough for you to just know yourself. Right. And that might sound funny, like, yeah. but you need, as a t you know, as, as well as anyone, you know, reassurance as a tennis player. Yeah. You know, tennis players will tell you they've got the, the most confidence in the world, but you could tell them, geez, your serve looks different today and that will shoot their confidence yeah, to, yeah. to the ground, you know, like, and that's, that's where, like, yeah, you just had to believe and then, you know, I went on a decent run. I remember, I think I won Egypt or lost in the final, then quarters. And I, I just, I just kept going really, like, yeah. you know, didn't play quali, pre-qualies of Wimbledon that year, qualies, and then, you know, I think I lost last round, maybe. I don't know. And then it's, you know, you just, it sort of rolls into one. And yeah. then once you get going, there's, there's, for, for me, there's no better, you know, coach, confidence, whatever you want to call it, than yeah. winning, winning matches. You don't need a coach when you're winning matches. Yeah, yeah. If, you're, if you, you start winning matches, you know, you, you don't look at anyone. You, your, your eyes are down. and. Yeah. You, you're seeing the ball like a football, and and that's where you know coaching becomes an easy game. But yeah. it's it's when it's when you need you know, geez, ah, right, yeah, I don't feel good. You know, this isn't good, and and they want to get out there and make sure that's that's when you know they really earn earn their their money. And what do you need from a coach if you've lost confidence? What do you need from a coach at that point? Obviously, because for, for me, I knew I could play at that level because I'd played there. Yeah. And I just, you know, you, you just need to work. I remember I, I went out, I, I went out to, to, to Virginia to play a tournament and I went on my own, but Hilts was there with Brody. And I said to those guys, I said, whenever you guys, I, I will hit with you, you know, like I, I'll hit. And, and Liam Brody had done, like, you know, Liam Brody was a, he's a good tennis player, but, you know, I, I basically said, I will be your bitch for the week, your hit, hit bitch, you know. Yeah, yeah. Excuse my, excuse my language. No. But, and because and, I had no coach, I needed to hit as many balls. Yeah. And, and I did two-on-ones with Brodes and Hilts, and I, I played doubles. I, play, I was playing as bad as I ever played, but yeah, yeah. you just need work, you know. You, you know what it's like when you feel undercooked. Yeah. It's, there's no worse feeling in the world. Yeah. And and that was it. Like I just you you need to get out there and you know there's no there's no magic potion to yeah. to make a player play well. You yeah. can't whisper in their ear you 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 was good. You're going to be good again. Yeah, yeah. It it doesn't work in the crunch. And then after like you know two weeks later, I'd hit. I'd I'd carried on being Brody's. You know. Yeah. Running after every ball, bro, did hit, and I actually started playing well, and and then I made, I won the challenger, and then, and then lucky for me, they stopped, and I ended up with hilts, and then, 
and then you know like i ended up with a coach then and yeah and we worked and 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 then you know obviously like you said i, I went into that phase and and yeah. went inside top 100 but you know i i there's for me now you know british juniors don't play enough tennis matches or yeah, yeah. adults for that matter you know yeah. they don't play enough matches and there's the practice, the the things you learn from tennis matches yeah. is like you you can't you you can't play on the you can't practice that on the on the on the practice court. The, when, you were, when you were like 15, 16, any idea of the amount of matches you used to play in a year? No, I mean a lot for sure, a lot. Because um, yeah. you were playing yeah. futures and obviously the ITFs at that point. Futures. ITFs, British tours, play whatever. Club, I mean, I remember when I was working at Edgebaston, Evel, um, I looked out the office window and I was like, Evel's playing, what's Evel doing? So yeah. I looked down and you're playing like West Warwick against Edgebaston Priory doubles. <laughs> and, yeah, I, and you were like 200 in the world. I was like, what is going on here? But I mean, I like when I was young, I always, I always, played for the first team at West Warwick. So that was what I wanted to yeah, yeah. wanted to do. Like when I seen other blokes doing that, that's like, well, that's that's the first team at West Warwick. So like I look, you know, and this is I looked up to people at West Warwick who I thought were good. Obviously they're not good. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you there's you know, you work through your levels and that's you like now there's none of that, you know, like you don't get to play national club league. You don't get to play that stuff. No. You know, you're a tennis player when you're 14, and if you're not a professional tennis player when you're 14, yeah. you're deemed you're deemed scrap. You're on the and that is for me. There's no how, how can you? For me, I just don't think juniors can produce their best tennis when that is. No. Th there's that. How at 30 all can you be loose if you know someone's looking that yeah. saying? This match is the match, you know. Like, what happens if I lose this match? Will, will Joe over there from the LTA or Joe over there from so and so, will I get picked for the next one? And there's, I think there's a lot of that now. And honestly, hand on my heart, I never felt that. And that's where I was lucky, you know. I had good people like Mark Taylor, Leighton Alfred. Yeah, yeah. And it was just, you know, it was, it was, you know, how, how I, how do I come through and how, you know, the people I had, I was, I was really lucky and, you know, and that's just where I just think we could ease up a bit with, yeah. my advice would be to ease up a bit on, on that sort of stuff and just, you know, the, the best will come and, you know, I was never the best when I was young, but the best will come. Well, very, very good. So phase two, you've, you've got up to, I think, 41 in the world. Yeah. Right? And, and then the drugs ban comes. Yeah. How, how did you deal with that? How was that time period? And, and I think probably the big question for me is, how did you get yourself in a mindset to come back and, and go again? Uh, you know, obviously the ban was, was far from, from ideal. It was, you know, it was a difficult time. Uh, you know, I've, you know, it's never, never going to be easy for, for anyone who's around. But then, you know, once once it was done, and you know, I started back practicing. And again, like I just, I had to, you know, I believed I was still good enough. Uh, 
you know, luckily for me, my body's, it's always been pretty reliable touch wood. Yeah. Uh, and, and I got that in good, good shape. Um, you know, after a, a while, like when I come back, I wasn't in great shape. And then, yeah, just, you know, started going again. It's, it's but when it's funny what one match can do, and this is, yeah. you know, I, when you play a match and you win a match, it doesn't matter what level it's at, it gives you confidence. And if you win two matches, it doesn't matter what level it's at, yeah. it gives you even more. And if you win three, it gives you even more. It just doesn't matter what level it's at. And that's why, you know, you will know about it. When they used to be the British tours, if you won a British tour and went and played the Futures the next week, you were the favourite for that Futures at the Brits. You were the favourite. And and, and that's, like, that was how the next sort of thing went. You know, I won some matches. You know, I remember my first match, I think it was against Ed Corrier. I beat him in three, yeah. and and like everyone's like, well, you know, that was scrappy, and I was like, no, no, that's you know, that's worth its weight in gold. Yeah, you don't yeah. understand what three sets does for your body when you've done nothing. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, it, you know, I lost to some awful people in my eyes, but yeah, you know, you just have to, you know, every loss, I was just like, scrap it, throw it away, let's go. Yeah, yeah, and just you know keep going it it was there's there's even when you you you're off the band there's still so much time there's gonna be bad times if anyone thinks you come off and it's all yeah. happy there's gonna be t- i knew there was gonna be bad times i knew i was gonna smash plenty of rackets in that new time coming yeah. but you've got to bin it quick you've got to you know it's like life, life's back, you know, like yeah. it's just like you've never been away. You're still going to, you're still going to practice good someday. Still going to practice awful others. You're still going to play good matches. Still going to play bad matches. Yeah. And, and, you know, fortunately for me, I played more b- good than bad. And, you know, I, I probably, you know, I did, I can hand on my heart. So I did everything I possibly could when I come back to, to get back and still am now. You know, I was, I'm better than ever than yeah. doing all the other stuff, the off-court stuff, the, you know, your social life, your, all of that. You know, that can, I sort of, I was a good professional before the ban, and, but then after it, you know, it, I, things were more in perspective where, you know, what was more important in my life. Yeah. And then, and that, that helps your tennis. It just does, you know, like you've got no... You know, you're not looking at other things. You're not looking at the clock to think, geez, can I get out of here by five o'clock because I need to be somewhere. Yeah. You know, there's, there's nothing else in, in my life right now apart from, yeah. you know, tennis. There's no other, you know, there's, there's no other activities in my life apart from, you know, tennis, a bit of golf and obviously my partner. A Sunday night quiz. And a Sunday night quiz from time to time. Yeah. And that and that's and you know, believe me, I, I wish if I was twenty-three again I could have the perspective I have now and I would have way more stress way less stress yeah. on the tennis court. But, you know, I found it when I was, you know, twenty seven and that's that's it. Like I'm I'm you know, I'm content with that and you know, 
I'm 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 happy now and I'm still good to go for another, you know, however many years. And it's not like, you know, I'm pretty lucky my game lends itself to not being so physical. Yeah. You know, I've got different ways I can win. So hopefully we can keep going for a little longer, you know. No, but yeah, but it is it's incredible. I think it's there's so many things that I'd I'd love to go down, but just the one thing I, I, I have to say, it's everyone's life is, is different and everyone's every every experience leads to something else. Mm. So like your your experience is obviously I've, you know, been somewhat close to you via really close mutual friends and I've kind of yeah. been around and obviously good friends with your coach and you know had had conversations. And and me even looking back at you in the early stages of your career, the one thing that's the two things that have always struck me one you're bloody good like really good and you've said it a few times now and 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 you genuinely back yourself you know because of that and i think that's very unique two your com your competitive skills are incredible you understand the sport really well you speak very intelligently about the sport it's simple to you you know you, yeah. see, it, you see it in a very simple manner I think for the for the listeners listening, I think they can maybe work that out a bit now. You've competed a lot when you were younger. You've you've thrown yourself into all of these different situations. You play golf against someone, you cut you compete very hard. And and I think actually, do you know what, mate? You're now 28 in the world. And and actually, if you'd maybe been pushed a little bit harder, and I always thought this with you, if somebody tried to change you when you were younger, maybe you would be out of the game by now because you don't have the love. You know, and... no, yeah. I mean, li listen. Many people tried to change the way I was. That that is that that's that like that is a fact. But yeah, and then and like you said earlier, when you you probably tell you know not rebel, but think you know what you're. Yeah, plenty of people, but they did it for the right reasons, which I which I get. You know, I remember. You know, I'm I'm pretty good friends with Martin Weston now, and I'm sure he won't mind me saying that you know, he wanted me to be like a certain other player when I was yeah, yeah. very young. And I was just like, well, that isn't me. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, he was doing it for the right reasons. He didn't want me to be like certain other player. He wanted me to be, take things from the other player. Yeah. And, and have a bit more, you know, a bit more patience, a bit more discipline. You know, he yeah. wasn't, but when you're 20 or 90, you, you think, what, what what is this guy on about? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, he wants me to be like him. I'm me, yeah, and yeah. and that and you feel like it's an attack on you on you yourself when you're young when you're a young kid. Yeah. But he, it's not, and that that happened quite a few times with different yeah. things. And oh god, you know, believe me, I wish I'd listened to, you know, tens of people. But yeah, you know, if someone had said to me when I was 21, listen, you got to be 30. And you're going to be 28 in the world, and you're going to still be healthy. You know, I'd probably assign for it, and that's how I have to look back. Absolutely. You know, there's there's things not regret, but you know, disgusted about, and you know, which are disappointed in myself and how I've acted, how I've you know, I've gone out too much, I've done the wrong things before matches when I was young. Granted, but you know, like. Hopefully, people who listen, are, who are good players, hopefully some good players tune into this. Yeah, that they, you know, don't do that, and that's that's part of 
you know, these sort of podcasts and stuff is to, for people to hear that stuff like Lee Charles the other day was a, you know, a great one. And then, you know, hopefully that, you know, I would never want, you know, some people want, you know what, some people like, they don't want other people to, I never want any Brits to do badly. And I hope, you know, the young ones now, they can relate to, you know, me or whoever, you know, like, yeah. how how they can train, how they can not train, how what they can do, what they shouldn't do, you know, like, and not to, I'm not saying for one second, don't go out and have a drink. Yeah. But, you know, you've got to do that, but in the right time, no one ever told me not to go out. Yeah. But they were like, do it the right time. I remember a guy telling me, should we pencil in when you can go out? And I was thinking, pencil in when I can go out? Are you are you nuts? <laughs> but you know, ten years later, that's exactly what yeah, yeah. what you do. Yeah, Pen- pencil in when you think you can maybe have a weekend off and yeah. go see friends or play golf, have a day out, go go racing or whatnot. Yeah. And you think back ten years, what you? I think that guy who said that to me must have thought, what an arrogant little twat he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's two things. One. Ten, uh, it's one of my favourite quotes. It is ten percent of life's what happens to you, and ninety percent how you respond. And you've kept responding. Do you know what I mean? It's like all, yeah, of, yeah. all, all of all of those all of those things. The, the second thing for for those listening, I'm going to use his name, Lloyd Lloyd Glasspool. If if Lloyd went out, Lloyd was useless for the next week. He was useless. It did. It 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 affected him in a massive way. You know, and, and the one thing, again, I've never coached you, Dan, I've never, you know, I've, I've, I've seen you on court, I've seen practices, but, but what very much has struck me through your career, there's never been an issue with the effort you've put in once you're on the court. No, and I used to, I used to say to, like, I used to get, you know, obviously in the pre, you know, I was terrible, like, this, and I used to say to, like, I, it's never an issue once I got there. Yeah. Like, I used to say, and people used to laugh. I'm as I work as hard as anyone yeah, when absolutely. I get there. Yeah. Or, and I'm one of the best workers when I used to get there. It was getting me there. Yeah. And I, and that, and people used to laugh, but I was like, no. And, I mean, some of the things like I just think, geez, how do you do that? Like, but that's being young again, you know. Like, I, and it's it is terrible to think back, and it's, you know, and that's what I think. You know, these young guys now. I just, when they're playing and stuff, they, they should just, you should play and that, just stick to tennis. There's, no, there's nothing out there apart from, in my life, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing better than competing than, than playing tennis. It's not, there's just nothing better. You, you're not missing out. You, I used to think I was missing out. You, yeah. There's nothing better than having, it's nothing to do with money, but yeah. nothing better than doing what you do, make a good living. And believe me, after winning a tournament, not that I've won any on the tour, but winning a good tournament or having a good week and going out with the people who, yeah. who are around you, helped you do that, yeah. nice food, nice drink, whatever, there's, you know, I would sign for that now. If I'd known that now, what well, I knew yeah. that back then, you know, I would have signed for it then. But it, there's so many, there's so much, and that's why tennis is so difficult isn't it there's so many different things it's not just on the court and it's absolutely it is a it's a great sport to to be part of and you know now I 
you know, we was we was just practicing then, and I we were saying, you know, there was four top hundred players, including Andy, obviously, and then you've got your juniors in the centre. You know, like it's such a good atmosphere to have in in Britain, and and hopefully there'll be more coming. And yeah. and we had Jamie on the court next to us, Lloyd, as you just mentioned, coming there. And that's you know hopefully British tennis will be will be like that for a long time and yeah. you know it could have been like that a bit earlier but you know we're all there now and yeah. and hopefully it's everyone stays around. Good and you and you're speaking mate you're speaking like a seasoned pro. You're someone who I really hope is in our game. That's one of my regrets from my era that like Tim Hemmons. I know he was with, with you at the ATP Cup but he's kind of not really in tennis. Yeah, Greg, yeah. Greg's not really in tennis. You know, and you've got so much to give. What is there any changes you would make if you were if you had the had the power? Is there any changes you would make with how the LTA performance kind of system runs now? Uh I mean, I just for me, you know, just a bit more. I would put the biggest thing. I would put more players with with a coach, so not so one on one. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be why be it really. Why? I just think if you look at the players who have come through, you know, you've got Cam Norrie was in a group of university people, university players. I was always in a group. Yeah. Forever, for however. Uh, Kyle Edmund. Yeah. He was with Luke Bambridge for a long time with. In, in groups, you know, I just think you've got you've got a benchmarking groups. You've got you, for one, it's easier to practice. One, it's easier to practice. Yeah. Um, you know, you're learning about each other every day. Um, but it's more cost effective. Yeah. Um, I don't think you know a, a guy at 16, 17, 18 should be given so much money. Yeah. I don't think they should know what they're given. Shouldn't yeah. be. You know, that's a lot of pressure yeah. in one way. And it's a lot of, or it's, no, I deserve that. I'm getting that. I'm, I'm the best. And that's a bad, that's not a great attitude to have either. Yeah. I just think it sends the wrong messages, in my, in my opinion, for, you know, for yeah. the real best, fine. But I think if we did, more players with a coach, it would be more the the players who are not that good right now at 17, 18, 19, 20, 22. You know, we could we can make them last a bit longer and who knows, you get might get someone coming out of the pack at 26. Yeah. You know, I just don't think yeah, five yeah. five men and five women is enough people to be properly funded. Yeah. Um and you just spread the money out a bit further, you know. If you've got, if you've got more in the race, you've got more chance, haven't you? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I just think that would be my only, my only thing. But the ones who are out there now, they they seem to work pretty hard on the men's side, you know, because I don't see the other side, yeah. um, the women's side. So the from the juniors, and that you know they're working pretty hard, I think, and. You know they've obviously got a very good chance, but uh, you know there's so much, there's so much, 
again, there's so much tennis to be played. Someone probably thought I had a good chance when I was 19. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were so right. <laughs> they were yeah. Right. <laughs> they were right, yeah. But, you know, there's, it's, there's, there's a lot of things which can happen, you know. And yeah. uh, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's difficult to, to, to manage as well. You know, you need, like I keep saying it, but you, you listen to Lee Child speak. I mean, he was odds-on to be top hundred, isn't it? He was, yeah. And that, and that's why correctly, you know. yeah, wasn't managed correctly, and you know, so those that haven't, we'll put the we'll put the link to Lee Childs as in 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 this podcast. But yeah, I mean, he was, and even speaking to Ian Barclay as well, who we spoke to, Ian Ian said that when Ian stopped and had to go back to Australia because he was removed, he said it was as good as it was a shoe in. You know, he he said he. I'm convinced I could have got Lee Charles to top under the world without much, much effort. And, you know, like, you know, I've spoke to quite a few people about that. And, you know, Chink says, you know, it is his responsibility. That, but that's tough at 19, as I know more than anyone. Yeah. To, to pick a coach, to say no, to say this. But yeah. at the end of the day, it's, you know, as it's my career, it's his career. He he worked hard, and it's just unfortunate, isn't it? What what happened, and that's you know, there's so many lessons which any we can all learn from that sort of stuff, and that's and that's why you know, like it's it's so good that t- tennis people, you know, are quite open. I think, yeah, and to to you know, there's no for me, there's nothing better than sitting at a tournament, just chatting away about tennis. You know, like. And listening to what everybody else has got to say, and yeah. and that's hopefully you know in a few years we'll be talking about the new lot come through, and yeah. hopefully they're not not that much higher than me. Otherwise, I'm in for a torrent of abuse. <laughs> but you, but on, on that one, and I, I won't keep you much longer, Evo. But I do want to talk just a little bit more tennis with you. And I mentioned this when we spoke to the to the players at the academy a few weeks ago. You, that is my memory of you at tournaments. You know, you were there. And like, I think you, you bring some pressure to the other players, which I think is also good. You know, oh, God, wonder what Evo was saying at the side of the court. You know, but it was always like so tennis related. And you seem to do something you do. You've got such a good tennis brain. Two things I want to ask you about. One, how have you got such a good tennis brain? And I guess how much tennis have you watched? Two, how does that fit then with the philosophy that's coming out a lot in tennis now with all of this data and this data analysis coming into tennis? Um, I mean, I just watched so much when I was, when I was young. Um, yeah, just like I watched so much tennis. Like I made, made sure my dad had Eurosports, Sky Sports. Yeah. Like, that was like a non-negotiable for me. I mean, talking, I'm 10 and I'm telling my dad, you, you make, what, it was cable back then. And like, you make sure you have it. Uh, and he was pumped to have it as well. Like, he was rather me do that than, yeah. than be what, watching cartoons or whatnot, which most of the other kids were doing. And then, I don't know, I just played so much. Like, I, I just played, like I played against older people sort of you know you had you had to play differently you know like I had to work out different things I remember 
you know, I played Marcus Willis, my first ever regional challenge, I think it was, <laughs> in back, and he smoked me. And I was like, what is this kid like? Like, he can't hit the ball. <laughs> but he beat me, and I was like, and then, and then I just, when I was obviously at the academy and stuff, I wasn't, I wasn't that good, but I had good skills, but they were, they were bigger than me. So just worked out, you know, slice short would always work. Yeah, yeah, and always does now still. And I just, I just worked out like a bit more cat and mouse, and yeah. I just I watched so much tennis. Like I remember watching Gonzalez on court eighteen when I went with my dad yeah. to Wimbledon, and he didn't hit one topspin backhand. Well and I was like, he's a pro tennis player, this guy. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, I remember thinking, he didn't hit one slice backhand, and everyone was telling me you can't just slice, and yeah. I was like. No, no, you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. And literally from that day, I was like, whoever tells you that, that's, that's not right. Yeah, yeah. And I made my own decision on Slice then. It was like, it, I remember watching him and he played Vic, I think, if that's right. I think he played Robin Vic. Right, okay, yeah, I remember. And, yeah. and I was like, he's not hit one Slice. And I just couldn't believe it. And I was like, and that was it then. I was like, I'm fine with the Slice. I'm yeah. And that, and then I just learned how to hit different paces and how to use it really. Like, yeah. and it was, it was just, it was just good. I, I really enjoyed it. I just, I, I liked watching so much and yeah. working it out. And obviously, the people I was watching as well were like Henners, Greg. It wasn't like baseliners. Yeah, yeah. And then, the, and then, as I said before, I had, I was lucky. I had good people around me who you know, could stick that into my game. Yeah. And and then, you know, I, I probably stopped watching a lot of tennis when I got a bit older, you know, like, and that's probably, you know, a mistake. When I was like 19 to 23, I thought I was, I thought I was there, you know, like I thought, you know your game now, you're good enough. And, and then that, you know, not fall out of love, but I was not as in love with tennis as I am now. Back then, I was interested in other stuff, which every guy's going to be, you know, like they're interested in drinking, etc., going out with your friends. And then I just lost my way a bit. And then, you know, once you got, I got that back and, you know, I was, I was pretty, you know, I, I was pretty good. I, at tournaments, I stay around. I like to watch other players. And yeah, like, you know, like you said, even now when I'm watching, you know, I, I I take people's games away. I mean, I've not missed I've not missed the ball on the balcony. I'm pretty good at there. Yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah. it's uh, it is good. Like I I love watching tennis matches. It's, it's amazing. Like you even do it on the side at Davis Cup, and you're like, what oh, you you you're so stupid. You know how hard it is out there. Yeah, yeah. And you're abusing your the guy for missing, it, and you're like, you know, but it that's. That's just it, isn't it? That's the part of the game. And you learn so much from watching, I think. You see the game so differently. The court positions, when you're watching from behind where people stand, yeah. they stand over in the ad side, you know? And that's where, like, I'll come on to your question about sports science. Um, sports science, the data, that doesn't teach you how to play tennis. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing for me. It's a dangerous tool yeah. to use. You know, it's it's like technique. Technique has to, you know, it's great if it's good. 
yeah. But if you don't hit a lot of balls, if yeah. you hit a lot of balls with a bad technique and they go in, and you don't hit a lot of balls with a good technique, the bad technique is better than the good technique, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Skill. Skill over technique. But, yeah, and a lot, the volume, the volume of balls, it just has to be hit. And that's where, you know, you can hit to zone A, B, C, D, E, F, G, wherever you want to say. But if you can't hit it there, it's no good. Yeah, yeah. The, the data is no good. Yeah. And I just think it's a dangerous game for for juniors to get, get involved in. For people ranked 300, 400, that isn't the 1% or the 10% or the 5% you need. Yeah. If you're doing everything possible, firstly, you're putting in an effort every day. If you tank every other day, if you don't fight when it's under pressure, if you go, if you go away at a set in a breakdown and roll over and ask your mum for a tenner. You know, like, it's no good. No. So, sports data is not going to help you. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're doing everything and you need a percent here or there, use yeah. a nutritionist, use a sports scientist, use your data. Yeah. But first and foremost, you know, can you look in the mirror and say, I'm doing everything. Yeah. And, then, and then I'm open to it. Like, don't get me wrong, I've used it. Yeah. But you can't live and die by that stuff. You know, it's it's tough. It's, you know, it, it, it can send you insane as well. If someone tells you he likes to serve out wide yeah. on big points and he hits a 130 down the tee and you look over and you think, well, nothing worse. you know, emphasis told me that was supposed to go out wide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It but was it was it, the exact question ever that I asked O'Shaughnessy because I spoke. We had Craig O'Shaughnessy on the podcast, and that was the exact thing I said: is like, there's nothing worse for a player, and and also it's, it's so much about interpretation of that stuff. But then it's about knowing your player to be able to maybe give one or two things, you know, that actually is going to have an effect. But giving that kind of rawness of they're going to serve there, they're going to hit there, and they don't. It's it's the biggest mind mess up ever for a tennis player. Yeah, and and like I mean, Leon won't. I'm sure he won't mind me saying. Like I, a Davis Cup, we have like a, quite a bit of it. Yeah. And in Davis Cup this year, I was really struggling, like to just get over the line. I lost two, three setters, I think. And in the third match, I just, you know, it was, it was just adding a bit of pressure. Like it wasn't making me think right. Yeah, yeah. And I just said, is there any chance, you know, we can all sit down on the side, put our books away, and can we just clap? Yeah, you know, yeah. I know you pay these guys to come. And in fairness, he said, you know, yeah, that's fine. And that's what we did. And, you know, sometimes I think, and that's just a perfect example, it works sometimes. And then other times it, it, can, it can take a bit away. So, the, the, yeah, obviously, the answer to the question is... You just have to use it how and when you yeah. like, and you know it's 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 a difficult tool to use as well. It's a difficult tool to sort of translate into tennis, I think. Yeah, and that's that's the the the, the hard thing. The real hard thing is just just how much or just how little, because I've never. And also, like this, you know, this they could class this as data. I go online when I'm playing someone. 
or he'll will get me five minutes of clips of the guy and I'm watching where they're serving. Yeah. But you know, most of the people at any sort of level, they they can choose where they want to serve on big points. They've got every serve. Absolutely. And they will favour others, but yeah. it's um Do you use and then, it to, uh, sorry Ella, do you use it to inform practice sometimes? So let's say you're not winning enough points on second serve or you're not, you know, would that, would you then dig a little deeper to try and inform kind of an area to develop your game? So very um, basic stats, basic so stats. So this, this year in pre-season, uh, Hiltz, Hiltz uh, got some stats off uh, somebody, I'm not sure who, about my return. Yeah. And, I basically made 90% of my second serve returns. Yeah. But when I took them inside the baseline, yeah. I won like 20, 30%. So basically, for long story short, when I took the ball on top of the baseline, I won more points, regardless of how good the return was. Yes. Because my court position was on the baseline. But you would think you're taking the ball, you know, to your local Joe or whoever. If you're taking the ball inside the court, well, that's aggressive, you know? Yeah, yeah. But actually, I was in a worse position because of my court position So in the rally. So we worked on, in the points, you know, split-stepping onto the baseline and, you know, messing around with that. Yeah, yeah. But that was only on a few stats. And, and, and actually, you know, we actually haven't, carried on with that I've actually carried on with taking the ball a bit inside yeah. and, and trying to get better at doing that and a harder return yeah, yeah. you know but you know it, it, it's all, they always throw out something interesting that is for sure yeah, yeah. and like I just said it's and that's where you know Leon's pretty good you know he whenever we do use stats he just gives me in Davis Cup obviously it's a, a post-it note he would only write on you know yeah. So there's only three or four points on that note. He would never, and he would just tell me them, you know, it would never be, you know, like I just said then, I, I didn't want people to think he was overloading me with stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it was just clouding my judgment on that, yeah. on that day. Or I could have just been pretty, you know, pedantic and didn't want anything to do with it. It could have been, and just making an excuse to, well, I'd lost two matches. Yeah, but that's, but, also, yeah. No, that's also knowing knowing your player and this is where I think people don't realise how how important and how detailed the on the road coaches can be because Dan Evans on a on a Monday in Vienna might be different to Dan Evans on a Tuesday in New York, depending on lots of different variables. So mm. your mind might be in the place where actually on this day you're actually really open to that and everything's clicking together and just a little bit of information helps. Whereas on another day, got out the bed on the wrong side, you know, had a bit of an argument with the missus, something else has happened and actually you're not really in the position to maybe take that information on. And I think that's the real skill in, in, in coaching, actually. In, in knowing you. No, yeah. Yeah, like, geez, I've been on court with, you know, countless people and, and you've seen, you know, you've been on court with them before and they're fine. And then, you know, you can just see today they don't, they don't want to know off the coach, you know. And that's, it happens to everyone. And that's like you just said, that's the 
you know, that's probably the beauty of coaching, isn't it? Like, that's the, that's the challenge. And listen, there's no one more difficult than me on days. You know, I know that. But, you know, there's, and I'd like to think there's no one, you know, as, as good as me on other days, you know, to be on court with. But that's, that's where we're at, isn't it? Like, that's, that's all of our challenges. And that's what get out of bed and, and try and be better. But, you know, it's, uh, as we said, you know, luckily now we, we can do that. We've had a few months where we couldn't. So it's, everything's a bonus at the minute. And, yeah. yeah. Evo, quick fire to finish. Nothing too difficult. Practice or competition? Competition. ATP or Davis Cup? Uh, uh, ATP, just because of the Australia match, is like, I've never heard anything like that. Slice or topspin? Yes, it slice, but topspin lines the money shot. Uh, Rafa or Roger? Both. Serve or return? Return. Home or abroad? Abroad. The jo joint ATP and WTA or separate? Whatever's best for, for tennis. Good answer. US Open or not? US Open, 100%. And one rule that you would change in tennis? No warm-up. Love it. Evo, honestly, mate, I hope thousands and thousands of of junior players listens to that. Like your openness, your honesty, your insight was incredible. Honestly, mate. No, no issues, mate. Thank you. Thank you so much. And you know, I really hope everybody everybody listens to that. Yeah. Top man. Good luck. Good luck in the next few weeks. Don't get inside. Don't let Andy get inside your head, mate. We'll be Yeah, have a good one. See you Cheers, later. Guys. Cheers. A big thank you to Dan Evans for that. Hope you guys enjoyed listening. A big good luck to Dan and the rest of the guys at the Battle of the Brits event set up by Jamie Murray. Uh, make sure you guys tune into that. Um, and, and yeah, please feedback. Let us know how you're finding the podcasts. Let's get them into the right hands. As Dan said throughout that, if he'd listened to Lee Childs' podcast when he was 19 or 20 that might have impacted him in a different way than sometimes even a coach can or a parent can you know so somebody sitting down listening to Dan speak so openly so honestly about his experiences there's so many lessons to learn so please do share with friends get them out there review it and subscribe to make sure that we're, we're impacting as many people as we can with these great messages uh, until next time, I'm Dan Kiernan, my co-host John McGann. We are Control the Controllables.